couple of short readings this morning. I want to turn first of all to the epistle of Jude. If you get Revelation, you just have to turn back to one chapter just before the Revelation, the epistle of Jude. And we're at the verse 14. Jude and the 14th verse. And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam. You don't want to get your Enochs mixed up. There was another Enoch and he was the third generation from Adam. But as the saying from Anna, he was a bad article. He was a bad boy. He was greedy. He was wicked. So don't get him mixed up with this Enoch. This is the seventh generation from Adam. Prophesied, preached of these saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. This man had one message, and we're going to preach about him this morning. There's only three short scriptures regarding him. He had one message, and that was the message of the coming of the Lord and the judgment that's coming upon the world. Enoch also, the seventh of Adam, prophesied of these, and behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Now that means all the saints. They just couldn't. There's S's there, an S there. That's all the saints. He's coming with them all. To execute judgment upon all and to convince and to convict all that are ungodly. Now watch how many times this man in an ungodly days of Noah stood out in his own kith and kin. He told them they were ungodly. Among them all, uh, them all, all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against them, their murmurs and complainers walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's personal advantage and admiration because of advantage. There were murmurs. Thomas Watson, the Puritan, says that murmurs and criticizers in the church are the devil's choir. So I hope you're not a murmur or a lamenter or a criticizer or a talker behind backs. Well, you're surely in the devil's choir if you're at that. Turn back to the, wee book, to the book of Hebrews now, please, and chapter 11. Take your time. I'll give you time to get back there. For here we have Enoch again. We're going back the ways this morning. Chapter 11 of of Hebrews and verse 5. By faith, Enoch, 
was translated. Now that word translated, and you have it three times in one verse, so the Holy Ghost wants to get it over to us. It means to be snatched away or taken up, or one rendering is carried across the river. The word rapture, that we're going to be taken up someday out of this old world. By faith Enoch was translated, he never died, that he should not see death and was not found. They must have been looking for, if you can't find something, you have to be looking for it. I wonder if we went the day, would we be missed? Would I be missed? Would anybody be looking about us? Or would they be glad to see us gone? They looked for him, but they couldn't find him because God had translated, taken him up. For before his translation, now notice this, before he was taken up, and we could be taken up any moment. And can God say this about us this morning, about me this morning, before them people were raptured and taken out of this old world, they had a testimony. It's one thing having a testimony, but it's another thing to have a testimony that pleases God. Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is what everything that he says he is and every promise that he gives. They're all true. You have to believe that. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Turn back now to Genesis chapter 5, please, where we get the commencement of Enoch. And we'll settle there and rest the scriptures there this morning. Genesis chapter 5. This is the undertaker's chapter. This is the funeral chapter. If you read and get a pen, you'll find that in chapter 5, there was eight deaths. But then whenever we come to verse 18... And there's deaths after this, of course. But when you come to verse 18, it says, And Jared, li- and Jared lived a hundred and sixty and two years, and he begat Enoch. This is the Enoch we're after. And Jared, Jared lived after he begat Enoch eight hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were nine hundred sixty and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived sixty and five years, and begat Methuselah. Watch the, this very carefully. And Enoch walked with God after, after, after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years and Enoch walked with God, but he was not, not as he didn't die for God took him. That's him translated again here. And Methuselah lived a hundred and eighty and seven years and begat Lamech, and Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech seven hundred and eighty and two years and begat sons and daughters, and the days of Methuselah were nine hundred sixty and nine years, and he died. And God will bless to us the reading of his word this morning. When Enoch the seventh of Adam's wife gave birth to their firstborn. 
As they cuddled him and cradled him in their arms, God gave them his name. His name shall be called Methuselah. The name Methuselah means when he is dead, it shall come. Or as Newberry translates it, it will be sent. What will be sent and what will come? Well, God, the moment, as soon as he died, he will send the wrath, the deluge, the flood, and he'll destroy the world. Now, as we know that Methuselah was the oldest man that ever lived, 969 years. And we further know as soon as he died, God wiped out all mankind. The times were in the hands of the child. God opened the earth, destroyed all. Now Enoch, Methuselah's father, we read, for 65 years of his life didn't walk with God. He didn't testify, he didn't preach, he didn't serve. We read that this morning. But as soon as the child was born and God told him what was going to happen, he flew into step with God. You see, can I say this this morning, that parenthood brings responsibilities. And I often say from this pulpit, that if you, sir, have no thought for your own soul, you'd need to have thought for your children's soul. For you have a responsibility towards them. For 300 years of his life, by faith, he walked with unbroken fellowship, unstinted fellowship with God. And he never died, as we read. He was a picture of the church. Raptured, translated, taken out before death. In the very same token as this, we are going to be taken out. We're going to be translated before the king comes in Zion, in Jerusalem, to judge and destroy the world. Before the king comes with a sense to reign, we shall already be gone and we shall be coming back with them. Their king is coming. And he's not coming with platitudes and plaudits and the paraphernalia that we have seen in the past week. He's not coming to boost the ecumenical boys. And he's not co coming to give credence to the terrorists. He's coming to judge. Our king is coming to judge. It was not until Methuselah was born and named that Enoch realized the great danger of being out of step with God and the brevity of life and the certainty of judgment. He hung on the word of God. 
and had nothing else. He hadn't a clue how long Methuselah would live. He didn't know whether he'd live a day or whether he'd live a year or whether he'd live a month. When he was sick, they would have nursed him well. When he was late home for school, they would have snooked for him. Maybe they often listened at his bedroom door to hear him breathing or talking. He didn't know, and my friends, we don't know, the day or the hour that we're going to die or the day or the hour that we're going to be raptured. We don't know. Woe betide us if we're not in step with God when that happens. I want to ask a question this morning that has been on my heart and it's only a question. It's not a statement. It's not a prophecy. Something that I've pondered for the last 10 years. Did our gracious and long-suffering Lord allow Queen Elizabeth II to reign 70 years, the longest reigning monarch in Britain, in order to hold back the wrath on our nation. Now, I want you to think about that. Did he give, because a day is like a thousand years with him, did he give 70 years for the people to repent? Did he hold out a scepter to the nation because of her? My new parliament has passed some wicked deeds and the queen has given assent to them, pushed before her. And I tell you this, there's many of them she wouldn't have agreed with. You must remember that from 1967 they have killed nine million children. There was no doubt there was something of an horror, something of a measure of the presence of God and goodness about her. And God will always look for some thing, some branch, some twig, something that he can find to hold on to pouring out his wrath because it's not his will that any would perish. Noah for 120 years and God gives seven days after that. Abraham prayed that God would deliver them from Sodom and brought them down to ten pleading men as he wept and cried on the mountain. Now I pray that I'm wrong this morning. And I'll be glad to hear if I am wrong at the end of the journey. But I can't help but think that the nation stands at the crossroad just now. And I'm sure that God has spoken and intervened mightily. You see, when God moves, he moves quickly. When he takes big steps, he moves fast. Just in one few days, we had a new prime minister and the queen died. Now listen to what I'm going to say. The sudden death of the queen and the sight of a full-blown rainbow over the wet, dark, burn moral on the day that she died was a statement from heaven. No scientist could paint that. No choreographer could design that. 
No painter could paint that. I can see it yet. can see it yet. Silently and powerfully, God spoke last Thursday to the nation. And he has been speaking since. And Queen Elizabeth's dead. But God's not dead. In Genesis 9, God says, I will bring a cloud over the earth and my bow shall be seen in the clouds. It's his bow. It's his colors. It's not the Sodomites' colors. Nor is it the NHS colors either. And if they had to do it again, they wouldn't have come up with those colors because the Sodomites hijacked. And that was because of the confusion of COVID. I don't think there was... I don't think... There's a generation of God's people have been more deceived than they have been in the last couple of years. That's my opinion, and I'm allowed it. The rainbow speaks of two things. It speaks of the grace of God, that covenant-keeping promise of God that he'd never destroy the earth with a flood, But it also speaks of the judgment of God. And for 70 years I believe that God has held back the judgment. Three times the rainbow is mentioned in Scripture and it's all synonymous with judgment. Ezekiel 1 and 28. Seen surrounded the throne of God as he prepared to visit judgment on Israel. Revelation 4, it's surrendered emerald rainbow surrounding the crown just before the apocalypse and the tribulation and here in the flood. And while over the years we have seen flashes of God's wrath on the nation and we have seen flashes of God's wrath on the monarch and we have seen the bow with the arrow Time and time again. Those of you can remember the Hillsborough disaster, the Lockerbie disaster, the King's Cross disaster, the recession, the murders, foot and mouth and COVID. And the monarchy wasn't spared either. Princess Diana, fire that burned Windsor Castle down that cost 36 million the worst year of her life, she said. Prince Harry, Andrew, and on it goes. Listen to what Amos says in case there's any skeptics here this morning. Listen to what Amos says. Shall there be evil or calamity in a city that the Lord has not done it? And I want to say this morning, that's nothing compared to what's going to come. If King Charles goes on to do what's in his mind, we're in trouble. And I'm saying this morning he'll need to turn and he'll need to repent and rescind some of these awful wicked laws 
and he'll need to bring back the book. And I trust that every time he walks up into Windsor Castle and up the staircase, that he'll see in the top of the staircase the statue of Edward VI. The Queen walked back to it every time she was there, going to her bedroom. There's a statue of King Edward VI on the top of the staircase in Windsor. With King Edward with the sword drawn, the scepter drawn in his hand, and the scriptures open at 2 Kings 22, pointing at young Josiah. And that scripture that he held and is still there standing this morning, and the word of God's open on the top of Windsor this morning, the word of God's open pointing, and here's the word that it says, he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, and walked on the ways, and turned not to the right or to the left. I trust he takes heed. I hope I'm wrong this morning by saying when she is dead it will be sent. And I'm not a prophet. I've just laid before God for days. I hope I'm wrong. What did Enoch do when it dawned on him? What did Enoch do if he was under preaching like this this morning? He done what you will not do. Some of you will not do it. For you'll go out of this meeting just as hard as you come in. For it seems to me that there's a veil over so many Christians. What did Enoch do when it dawned on him that death and judgment was drawn nigh at any moment and any moment he could be taken out? Well, I'll tell you what he did. We read what he did. He fled at 65 years into the arms of God. Now, he was a young man because he was one of the youngest that lived in these days. He was in his 20s. He lived 800 years, 900 years, 700 years. He only lived 365 years. So So he was a young man. Twice it says he walked with God. Tell me, young man, this morning, are you walking with God? Or are you walking in the ways of the world, in the ways of men, in the ways of lust? You're brought up in a good home, you know the scriptures, you've been taught the word. Are you walking with God this morning? Be honest now. He walked with God. He was surrounded with death. He was surrounded with judgment. He was surrounded with evil and wickedness. Jesus says, as it was in these days. Any moment the door of the ark would shut and they would get in. Father, I'm calling to you, Father, this morning. The Father of Methuselah, I'm calling to you, uh, Father, I'm calling to you this morning, Father, come into the ark before it's too late. Bring your boys in and your girls in and get in and get the door shut before the wrath comes. New mother, young lady this morning, and all of us this morning, let us flee to the refuge. Let us flee to the arms of Christ. Flee, flee fornication. That's sex before marriage. 
Flee adultery. Flee pornography. Flee sodomy. Flee. Flee this morning as Joseph fled from that wicked woman in Genesis. And caught his garment and pulled it off. Flee this morning as Jacob fled from murdering brother Esau. Flee this morning as Noah fled to the ark and Lot fled to Zor and David fled to the Adullam. Flee, man, flee! The first thing he did was flee to refuge. If you're not saved this morning, that's what you just need to do now. That old car could cope over you this week. And you'd be out into eternity like the young man coming down the motorway, coming from seeing his wife. You're the child. Don't you fool about the God. And don't you fool about with messages from the heart of God. For you don't know that before night death could come, others rapture could come. You don't know. Boys, if we could get into step with God, my friend, we'd be packed here on Monday night and on Wednesday night. We'd be packed. Oh, God, have mercy on me. Oh, Lord, don't come today. He fled. Secondly, he fled by faith. So how are you going to get out of it this morning? It's by faith. By grace are you saved through faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What I want to tell you this morning, this man had nothing, only the word of God and the state of things around him. He had no CDs and he had no DVDs and he had no sermons and he had no preachers and he had no nothing else. He had two things. One thing he had, he had the word of God and he believed it. He had nobody to teach him the truth. He had the word of God and he had the situation around him in the ungodly, ungodly days that he talked about. He had those two things. And you have those two things this morning. And the only thing that's going to move you out, my friend, is faith in the word of God. Have faith in God this morning. Believe God this morning. And sometimes we just say, oh, have faith in God, but we don't explain it. Have faith in what God says. Have you faith to believe this morning what God said about his son? Because this man had faith to believe what God said about his son. Have you faith to believe this morning what God said about his son? Who believeth, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. 
He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God has not life. He, the Son, shall set you free. You'll be free indeed. Do you believe what God said about the Son when he came up out of the waters of baptism? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. He was well pleased with the Son, and he was well pleased with Enoch. In a wicked, evil day, this one man stood out. Oh, for men and women to stand out in this wicked, evil day. Because justified by faith, he had peace with God. And the next verse reads, He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He believed what God said. He believed in the faithfulness of God. He believed in the promises of God. He said, believe whatever God said. He believed it. And that's all he had to do was to believe. Do you believe that this morning? Well, he did. He did. He's faithful. He believed he was faithful. Oh, waiting soul this morning. Some of you are waiting on God this morning. Oh, waiting soul this morning. Faithful is he that calleth thee. He will do it. Oh, suffering soul, saint this morning. God is faithful who will not suffer you more than you're able to bear. Is there a doubting soul here this morning? If we believe, yet he'll remain faithful. Do you remember Peter? Took the sword out and going to take the head of the high priest's servant. And just because he couldn't get away and do that, Jesus rebuked him. Then a few hours after, he denied him with oaths and curses. Just because you don't get your own way, don't you rear up on God. With oaths and curses, he says, I know not the man. I would tell you this, he was faithful to forgive him. And whatever you done during the week or whatever you said during the week, I tell you this, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad that he's faithful. He's been faithful to me. Faithful when we believe not. I don't believe. I don't understand him. I don't know him. I don't want to go on anymore in this life. I want to go back to the world. I don't want to go to the meetings. I don't want anything to do with God. But listen, he's still faithful to you. And he'll follow you wherever you go, young man. Let it be into college or let it be into university or let it be wherever you He'll follow you wherever you go. And he's faithful and he'll save you if you call. He followed me through the streets of Manchester and he'll follow you in his love and in his mercy because he's a faithful God. 
Enoch for 300 years walking with God. You can't walk with God unless two walk together. How can they if they don't be agreed? Are you walking with God this morning? Let me tell you this. He walked to the same place. They were going to the same place. Are you going to the same place this morning? They were going to the same place. They were going on the same path. They were going at the same pace. Not behind, not running in front of him, not dragging behind him. He walked with God. And you can't walk with God unless you're agreed with God. And you can't walk to God unless you're reconciled to God. You see, some run away ahead of him. Don't run away ahead of him now. Hold tight. And get back into step with them, those that are out. And don't stand behind. He walked with God for 300 years, even in these wicked days. Even when the storm clouds were gathering, even when all his family would have turned against him, there wasn't one trace of fear about him. Now, this is a very important point as we come down to a close. There wasn't one, one iota of fear in the midst of this dark and evil and wicked day on Enoch. How do I know? Because he had a testimony that pleased God. And if you're full of fear this morning, you're not pleasing God. Because he hasn't given it to you. If you're running about this morning confused and demented and anxious and agitated as a Christian, he's not pleased with you. Christ didn't die to leave you like that. He didn't send his son to leave you like that. Not about him. What time I am afraid, I'll trust him. You trust him this morning. Trust him in the family circle. Trust him in the health situation. Trust him in the world situation. Trust him. Whenever I was, Pat and I were in Londonderry in the middle of mid-70s. It was eight murders in eight weeks on the west bank of the foil alone, just over the bridge. Only one bridge then. We didn't know what day we'd whether we'd ever get home or not. When we come out of the CAD, out of the police station in, 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 in Strand Road, at night we had to zigzag the car for snipers. And a number of men were killed going along the riverside there and under the bridge. And we had a text up in the kitchen in, in our home in Eglinton. I will not fear what man can do to me. Proverbs 24, fret not thyself because of evil men. I tell you there's more of us than there is of them. We're on the winning side. Come on, let's sing it. Someone started.
we'll tell all the world that Jesus is captain and God. Come on, this is it now. There's not to fear while he is near, though fierce the conflict may be. We'll never give in in the fight against sin. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Amen. He didn't fear and he didn't falter. His walk was a consistent walk. Not in and out and up and down, back and forward, in one day and next day. Trailing behind another day. If ever God's looking for men and women in these last days to be consistent and faithful, he needs them, he needs them. And we need you here in this church to be faithful and consistent. Is your walk consistent this morning? Is your walk pleasing to God this morning? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. I have to go on. I'm going to finish now. Because I want to look at it just in closing. He fled by faith. He didn't falter. But he finished well. One day he stood around the grave One day it happened, whether he was there or not, it happened. The lightning flashed, the thunders rolled, the sky darkened, and the voice came to Enoch. Come up hither. Come up hither. My spirit shall not always strive with man. The thoughts of men are evil continually. I can do no more. Seth, Seth, a relation of his, if you trace it back, was praying. There was prayer meetings. Men were crying unto God. And God says, right. I can do no more. And that's what's going to happen some of these days. In Revelation chapter 4, the Lord Jesus says to the church, come up hither. You never read of the church in Revelation after that. She's gone. She's gone after Revelation 3 and 20, the verses before it, just a couple of verses before it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, that wasn't to sinners. We preach it to sinners. We can do that. It wasn't to sinners. It was to the church. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I'll have supper with him and sup with him and he shall sup with me. He's outside the door. He's outside the door of the church. This is the lady seeing day, the lady seeing the hour. He's not looking for big crowds. He's looking for men, if any man. And here's my climax this morning. Any man. Any man or woman that's going to say from this day on, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to stand with God. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to put God first. 
I'm going to please God no matter what else I do. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. I will come in. Listen, it's supper time. I'll come in at supper time, the last meal of the day. He's about to break the clouds and come again. He's coming again very soon. He's going to say, come up hither and we'll be forever in the presence of the Lord. And it'll be too late, too late. Oh, you just say, I wish I would have went that night Monday night to the prayer meeting. I wish that I wouldn't have made excuses. I wish that I wasn't more faithful to the church. I, I pray that I'm sorry that I didn't live right in my home. Be too late. Be too late. Come up, Heather. And the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Let me close with what Job said. And remember this Job was written far before. Job, 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 Job was, the old, was the oldest book in the canon of Scripture. And here's what Job says. I know that my Redeemer lives. Boys, do you know that Jonah and Enoch knew nothing about the birth of Christ for a start? Or the death of Christ? Or the resurrection of Christ? Or the rapture? He's not talking about the rapture. He's talking about coming with the saints to reign. And these men could see by, by faith in God, they could see a way down through the channels of time. And listen to what Jonah said, what Job says, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he'll stand the latter days upon the earth. And no worms destroy my body. And the hab destroyed it. Yet in my flesh I shall see him. And we're going to get a new body. The resurrection day. And we shall see him. We'll see the king. This is the king that I'm looking for. We'll see the king in all his beauty. And we shall forever be with the Lord. Take heed to what God says through Enoch this morning. Let us pray. Oh God, our Father, if we only had more passion, if only we had more power, Lord, to persuade those that are not saved in this meeting this morning to flee. Lord, if only we had more passion to plead this morning to backsliders, to those who have grown cold and those that are out of step. And to our own hearts, Lord, to my heart. And oh God, for our nation, I pray this morning.
I pray for our province this morning. I pray all the preaching and all the meetings and everything else, Lord, and the heritage that we have had, harbingers of blessing down through the years, Lord, and yet, oh God, the need is great. Surely thou hast been faithful to us in this province. Lord, we say, have mercy, Lord, one more time. Lord, give us an opportunity, Lord, to cry and pray and hold on. Lift the veil this morning. Take what is of from thee this morning and cast the rest away and may thee be glorified. For Christ's sake. Amen.